0: bottle
1: all night long but you know thanks gotta feel strong and healthy so it's just you know just trying to you know, regroup myself try to make you know quality pitches and I did it you know I, I be able to to pass through that you know a few in like with bottle uh, but at the same time I get a chance to you know our with the game.
0: That was Jose Barrios after last night's 10 3 win for the Toronto Blue Jays over the St. Louis Cardinals. Interesting, Kevin, that um, I think we agree that in the two previous starts to this one, uh, Jose Barrios had made some of the mechanical adjustments that we'd been talking about, that he'd been talking about, and uh, appeared to be paying off. I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say last, I'm not going to say last night was a step backwards because the Jays won 3 and there's there's mostly good stuff to talk about. But look, news flash, the Jays are starting to score runs. The question is, as we start running up against Alec Manoa's innings, which have become a factor to the point that you say Kikuchi will start on Thursday against the Detroit Tigers. Hmm. Give him a give him a an extra day. As we run up against that, how important is it that the Jays see consistency from Jose Barrios? Like we know, and and let me rephrase that because I think we know we know what Jose Barrios is. You know, there's a career, there's a body of work there. The thing he always has been has been a guy who's been able to give you innings, 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 innings.
2: Well, that's why they gave him $130 million. He's going to take the ball every five days.
0: So how how important is the consistency from Jose Bur?
2: You need a third guy. If you're going to make a, a, a legit run in the playoffs, you need a third guy. He's the third guy right now. Is that now. disappointing? That it, is it disappointing
0: to you that we're sitting here on six days before the trade deadline? And... Jose Barrios is is the number three
2: guy in the well, rotation. It depends on what your expectations of him were going into the season. Mine were not as high as yours. Yeah, like mine, you're, you're very admit. you're very high on Jose Barrios. i I'm not. I, I that's a that's a wrong way to say it. Right. That I shouldn't say it that way. I, this is just me. From what I've seen, his track record, you can't argue takes the ball every five days. That's a big deal. You're paying for that. that That's what they're paying for. They're, they're paying relying for, on him right. to take the ball every five days, and then they worry about the other four guys because they know that at least they're giving him the ball. That's a big deal. Now, the quality of the stuff, for me, it just looks like now uh, yeah. – Kirky Kirk, had going into last night caught 15 of his 19 starts going into last night. Danny Jansen caught – Back-to-back starts that were pretty good. Yeah. Now this is the this is the downfall for me, or the the little bugaboo when you have to use the DH role. You have to flip every guys through it, and DH and Vladdy last night sort of threw a wrench into who, for me anyway, right. needs to catch Burrios. Because uh, now you, you can't go. You well, can't. Well, you go. want Kirk in the lineup, exactly. And the only way you keep him in the lineup is to either DH him or catch him. And for me, the better guy for is, is Danny Jansen. It just seems like he is more of in a flow. The target's bigger. When he sets up, uh, it just it just seems like it's He's different. Better it looks different. It, it just seems there like does. that way. And whenever he sort of falls off the track, it looked like Danny, whatever whatever word, however he was putting the fingers down, the presentation, the setup, uh, it looked to me like, you know, the, the glove presentation. Everything that it takes to get Barrios back on the tracks, anyway, from what I'm seeing. Looked like Danny was doing a little bit better job. And how important is he? Yeah, he's very important. Does this force the hand of Ross Atkins to go out and maybe get the third guy? I think that's what you'd have to ask yourself. Again, you know, to to make a legit run in the playoffs, they're going to need four guys. But early in the playoffs, you need three guys. Yeah. Is he the third guy? And do you feel comfortable enough in him to be able to – Get it back on the tracks himself. Because, again, the other teams that they're facing in the playoffs are in the playoffs for a reason. Because they make adjustments. They have quality hitters. Like, they do things. You're going to have to pitch to them. You're going to have to set them up. The quality of your misses have to be better. You have to have multiple pitches strike one. You have to be unpredictable with two strikes. If you don't think the answer to that question is trust in Barrios to be able to do all those things... For me, I've been saying this now. The Luis Castillo thing may be a heavy ass because there'll be other teams involved in trying to get him, I think, that have better weapons to get him. That's the Yankees. That's the, that's the Dodgers. I'm sure there's a surprise team, but those two teams have enough in their minor league system and maybe you know, a piece at their big league level that would be a little bit better carrot to dangle than what the Blue Jays would have to offer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe the Reds think of the Blue Jays' organization the minor league system differently. That'll be an interesting thing. It's just I don't want to I don't want to downplay Barrios. He's a good pitcher, but it's just the the quality of the stuff this year. Being able to mechanically get it back on track, that'll make you wonder.
0: The Jays have won each of his last twelve home starts,
2: which ties and that's Roy
0: Halladay for the longest streak. And that's another in thing. History. That's
2: another thing. If he has to go on the road and pitch that game. Because, you know, the splits between home and on the road, for whatever reason, they, you know, that, that could be a mental thing. That could be the mound. That could be routines of having a certain machine, uh, uh, you know, available to him at home that he doesn't have on the road, whatever it is. is that a th- I wanted to ask you that. Is that a
0: thing? Absolutely it is. It's a thing. Absolutely This is, is not just a statistical
2: quirk. Absolutely it is. You, you could feel, this you know. This is a thing. It's, well, you know, it's, it's the time frame even when you walk out to warm up. That's just, just little things like that could throw you off your routine. That's like the Alec Manoa being given an extra day. Is that going to help? I, well, but I think the thing, Kevin. I, I don't understand why. you that know, I, I think there's certain guys that that would help a little bit. The older you get, your body needs the extra day. Well, if you're a big man and you found a routine and you've had a lot of success doing it, Why are you rocking the boat? And would the extra day actually help? That's the question. I mean, I'm sure they have enough people digging into that and they're trying to do the best for the player and for for their team. But I just don't know if that's the right answer. We'll see. We'll see if that's it or not. It's... I mean, to me, it makes sense. It's an interesting conversation to have about a guy who's never been through. We're talking about Alec Manoa, been through something like this, the mental part of the grind and the physical part, meshing them together and trying to figure out ways to give him an extra day. And will it actually work?
0: Uh, What we're talking about is a decision to uh, put Yusei Kikuchi into the rotation tomorrow against the Detroit Tigers, give him a nice soft landing. And uh, and and push Alec Manoa back a day, uh, and I guess if for for me it's a bit of a surprise that they're going to Kikuchi. If it's me, I'd rather have Max Castillo make the start. That's just me. But I, I guess the thinking is they've they've given him a couple of weeks. You know, allegedly, he's made some mechanical adjustments, and the, and and as always, with you say Kikuchi, that the the intentions are great says the right stuff between starts, appears to understand what he has to do, but at some point when the game starts, it's like, well, hey, people have talked about how good his bullpen has been before games. He's been electric in the bullpen. Game starts, and it's, he looks like he doesn't have a clue, and it looks like he doesn't have an awful lot of confidence. He looks like a guy who basically can't wait. I, you know what I want to do today? I want to throw a cutter. He gets out of bed and says, no, I want to do today. I want to throw a cutter. That's what I want to do. I don't want to do anything else today. I want to get up. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to throw a cutter. I mean, I bet he throws cutters. If he has a dog, I bet he throws cutters when 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 you know throwing the stick for the dog. Maybe. It, it, so, it is. But, but the it's point t- is... Well, it's
2: a tough ask for his teammates because it is the first game of a series, even if it is Detroit. And if he has three and a third, all of a sudden now you're having to use a lot of arms in the first game of a series, well, which blows the other games of who you want to use and how much you want to use them. But I think the thing with
0: Manoa is we, he did labor in his last start. That, that was obvious. You know, the, the whole all-star game, the routine, I mean, a lot of travel. I, and I know I can see – I don't even have to look at Parker. Anytime I mention travel, he rolls his eyes because his response is, yeah, you try going from Toronto to L.A. on a bus – I mean, it's not like these guys are are flying commercial unless you play for the Washington Nationals, which is another story. But uh, uh so I, I, I just think the thinking is it was a hot day. He was laboring. He is getting up there in innings. I don't think there's any way Alec Manoa takes the ball every fifth day from this point forward. I just don't. We'll if, I, I, we'll I don't works. think he does. We'll- and, I, and I think that's one of the reasons, to, to your point about – uh the, the stuff that Ross Atkins has to do with the trade deadline, I, I think that's one of the reasons that you will see this team. Um, they're going to get an elite closer or an elite starter. If they get the elite closer or the elite Whoa. back of the bullpen arm, elite, they're going to end up getting a so-so starter. That's a big ben word. Ben Nicholson-Smith throat out throughout 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 the name of it's Drew like Smiley, me. you know, a guy that that's just kind of been there. They're going to they're they're going to need ah. that guy to just to make a couple of just Smiley's. to make, no, they don't, they do too. No, they don't. They absolutely, who do, do they have? They don't. I mean, they've got Castillo. I'd rather have him than Drew well, Smiley. Whatever. My, my point is, I, I'm just they're saying past that those they're, arms for I, me, I'm just saying that they're looking for guys to make, to make a couple of starts because Alec Manoa is, he's not pitching every fifth day. And if they go to the playoffs and go in a deep run and he's your number one guy, I mean, I'm sorry. They're going to have to find somebody else to make probably three or four starts. And, and, and push Alex. It's Manoa a lot to ask the
2: kid to figure out routines. Routines is, you know, people roll their eyes and think that's funny at the big league level, but routine is a big deal. Like you schedule certain things that you do every single day. You add a day to that, then that kid who's never been through this mentally, physically at this level, trying to win a championship is going, what do I do now? Mm. And when you go, what do I do now? I think as long adds as... a whole different element, and then you show up the next day and you may be overthrowing, you may not have the feel of the breaking ball. All the things that go into that routine well you have to but oh, you yeah, don't have to you're because have it's very to. hard to ask a young kid to figure out how to do that well, it is yeah, Jeff, it's, a, it's a thing yeah but uh, I'm so that's sure, why i I'm question it sure, I'm, sure I'm not they, sure it's
0: gonna work i'm sure they thought of it and i'm sure they think that it's more important that they keep track of his innings they, they're more concerned about that than they are about his about his routine you can figure out the routine you, okay you think, you, you know, it, hang on you, you say, can't you can't figure out you can figure out a routine you can't figure out an extra you're probably seven good innings
2: you're pro- that's what you're talking about you're, you're not talking about 30 innings you're talking about 15-ish mm. will 15-ish be that big of a factor when it comes to playoff time in october i the first three games of of, you a, know, of a playoff I'm series. am sure he's there, throwing
0: the first one i'm sure there are numbers out there that that I guess as they are. I, I that, guess, that it and I'm will sure. Have an I'm
2: sure they know a ton more than we know. Yes. Obviously, that's why they're doing it. But put it this way: he's the so good. Part of he's it, so good that if there wasn't any concern, so, they wouldn't. Fool he's so around good with it. because of the routine, and it's the thing he does every five well, days. We'll see.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's you know, like every other pitcher, he has to deal with off days as well. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. But anyhow, bottom line he's is really good, and you'll figure
2: it out. It's what you're saying. That
0: well, I hope so. That's how we started talking about uh, about. Um, Alec Manoa, you say Kikuchi will make the start uh, against the Tigers. I haven't talked about the offense. George Springer grand slam last night. Vladdy hit a home run. Kirk hit a home run. Uh, Matt Chapman with a couple of really big uh, two out hits and a walk. Part of that part of that inning, he. And I know that that Buck Martinez, who will, will join us mm-hmm. later on in the show, and boy, it great was, to hear it was great to see Buck back in the booth. Sure was. Great to hear him. He and Dan spent a lot of time talking yesterday about how this team has, over the course of the year, become a good, a pretty good team hitting with two outs. Twenty-four of their forty runs in Boston, the Boston series came with two outs. Now Adam Wainwright is going to be a different—that's a different kettle of fish than Andre Pallante. But in and around all that offense last night, Kevin, those. Those two hits by Chapman were crucial. Those at bats were
2: crucial. Any time you get a two out RBI, that's very hard on that pitcher because he thinks that he's got out of this, and now all of a sudden you got a c- guy comes up and has a quality at bat and did not try and do too much and hits it where it's pitched. That's a big deal. Just the mental side of that, taking sort of the, you know, the the air out of the bubble. When it comes to that starting pitching, yeah, that's a that's a big deal. Chapman's had some really good at bats. Like, he, you know, he's he's the season that he got started off to because he was trying too hard. We know that. Like, I, that's what it's about. I think about. we can say that and now. That it too looked, hard. Yeah, well, said it. Yeah. Like, we you know what? Well, I'm not making this up. He's actually came out and said he's trying too hard, and you know he's wanting to impress his teammates, which is he's a human being. I mean, then they gave him 24 million bucks, which is Well, and he's also smart enough to trying. realize he
0: came over to a team that thinks it can win the World no Series. No question, no question,
2: right? and they're asking him to do a lot. So. And now just to see the adjustments he's made, he's not trying too hard. He's staying in the big part of the field. His mindset of, I want to hit the ball to right center, keeps his front side in. You know, he's fighting off the ball up. He's hitting enough of the ball up hard to at least make that catcher think he has to do something else. And that's a huge deal at the big league level, right? That gets them out of their... Thing of, uh, at least I got this to go to. And him being able to get the head out and hitting that thing with backspin to the left side of the infield hard somewhere at least tells that catcher, "Uh uh-oh, he's getting that foot down early enough, and he's keeping that front elbow close enough to his body to be able to use the steering wheel, which is his bottom hand, to direct the barrel level enough to get on top of that baseball, and now I have to make a change. And you're seeing at least now it looks to me like – Last night, he hit 102 miles an hour. That was a sinker. If you ain't looking for that, you ain't hitting that. No. And that, for me, is the approach he needs to have, especially at the bottom of the order. He's going to come up with traffic. And you're hitting at the bottom of the order for a reason. I mean, let's not lie about it. Like, you're not hitting – he ain't hitting third or fourth. And there's a reason why he's not hitting third or fourth. So, just to simplify that enough to go up and think, if I can get athletic and I can think about right center and I can think about hitting the old good number one, well – and and a, you're gonna have a good chance to having success.
0: You know, and you made the point about a good teammate is a guy who scores. <clears throat> no question. A good teammate is a guy who scores. I, I would suggest too, if you're A to Guriel Jr., you must have gone up at some point after the game and tapped Matt Chapman in the shoulders and said, "Thank you." I mean, he's his single comes after Gurriel, runs into and out in the bases, and then he draws a walk as part of that setting the stage. Or I'm sorry, he 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 singles there. And then the next inning, he draws a walk as well after a double play uh, off the bat of Gurriel. I, it was just, it was a really good game for Matt Chapman at the plate. It really
2: was. It was. Well, you know, Santiago Espinal had a good at-bat. He mm-hmm. he walked before the grand slam. Kevin eight-pitch Biggio, walk and eight-pitch walk. Kevin Biggio had a good at-bat. Every once in a while, you need to get lucky. George Springer swings the 3-0 pitch. He puts that ball plays out. Like, that's a bad pitch to swing at 3-0. I lo- I love him being aggressive. You want your money, guys, to never think about take. Take first is not in your mind. You want to be super aggressive, but it's got to be a smart aggressive. Every once in a while, you get lucky, right? So, he swings the 3-0 pitch. It's 3-1. He takes the pitcher's pitch. Look like he's a little, bit, you know, chapped about it. Mm-hmm. But it was a good take because he's not hitting that he's not hard. not doing anything. Yeah. Every once in a while, Jeff, and t- – Until you get to two strikes, you got to take the pitcher's pitch to give him a chance to mess up and throw one down the middle. And that's exactly what he did. Like you you got three strikes for a reason. Occasionally against the guy that throws 102, use the three strikes. Right. Right. I like I love you being aggressive, but occasionally, you know, you you swing at the the one that's off the plate. You got lucky there, not putting that in play. You take the good one, which is his pitch. Okay, you got another one. You get the one right down the middle, you're soft, you're easy. It's able to get to the big finish, which creates loft with the with the baseball. It's just – they're doing things now. They had 14 hits. Twelve of those were off the fastball. And I've been yelling and screaming. Every this starter to you. had
0: at least one hit. I've yeah. been
2: yelling and screaming this to you. You want to be taken serious as a lineup, hit the fastball. It's like 2015 when that team was so good offensively. They were yeah, – when they went to the plate, yeah, occasionally Edwin would guess breaking ball because that's what he does, and then hitting in the middle of the order. Occasionally, you got to do that, but for the most part, it was athletic and ready to hit velocity, and they would adjust to everything else, and that, for me, is what you're seeing now, one through nine, is that approach, and if they continue to do that with the talent that they have, look out. 10-3 was the final
0: last night. Uh, the uh, Jays will play the second game of the series tonight, 7 first pitch. Kevin Gossman against uh, Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals. The Cardinals last night, and we know their bullpen has a lot of velo. <clears throat> we saw it with Jordan Hicks. Well, I find Jordan Hicks interesting. For a guy who throws that hard, it's not like he gets a crap ton of strikeouts. The ball, even last night, threw a bunch of, you know, Threw a bunch of pitches that were 100 102. They're put in play. Um, and then of course the uh, Fernandez comes into the game and he basically <clears throat> doesn't have a secondary pitch for the most part. That kind of played into the I, I understand the Cardinals are shorthanded because you know, they don't have Arenado, they don't have Goldschmidt, and they came up, they would have come up in a couple of key situations here. Um, you know, we've talked to Derek Gould. The Cardinals are looking for pitching as well. But I, I thought, in some ways, the Cardinals kind of played into the Jays' hands last night. Maybe just fastball, 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 fastball.
2: Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe if you know that—that's why strike one's very important. You throw strike one. That's why, at the big league level in July, the hitters now mechanics and and adjustments that they made two months ago they don't have to make now. Now now they're athletic. Now they know mm-hmm. what they, they're trying to do. Now they know what they need to take to, to barrel up baseballs and to be able to – I when I face certain guys who threw hard, it simplified it for me. Now, all I want to do because he throws so hard is how do I get the barrel out in front of the plate? So now, walking to the plate, I have my imaginary plate. I'm no longer thinking as much – Now, Chapman's a little different because that's his mindset. But because that guy throws so hard, I was a left-center guy. I was sort of like Matt Chapman. Occasionally, I'd have a big swing. I'd be out and around. I'd cast sometimes. For me to be able to keep my hands close to my body, my mindset was left-center. But when I played, guys didn't throw consistently as hard as they do now. If you play now and you face dudes that throw hard, you got to move that over more to right-center. Because if I'm starting to catch a ball that I'm thinking left-center – more behind the plate, I'm fouling that ball off because of velocity. But if I'm thinking right center because of velocity, just that extra inch of getting that barrel out in front of the plate, now I'm actually hitting it to left center where I want it to go. But because I'm thinking right center, it gets the barrel where I need to get it to. So those are great approaches. You know a guy throws hard. You know when a guy comes in the game, I, we don't face these guys enough, but we know they throw hard. So get it down, try and get a strike, and swing often and early. It's a great approach, and it makes you wonder why they haven't tried to do this all year. <laughs> so that's what it makes you wonder, because they're having a lot of success yeah, George, doing it this way. Uh, George Springer made a, made a comment
0: yesterday. I don't know about this. Uh, I mean, they, they certainly came out. They scored, they scored 50 runs against Boston, 40 runs against Boston, whatever the hell it was against Boston. But George Springer made the comment yesterday that maybe the maybe the All Star Game did serve as a bit of a reset for these guys. I I don't know if that means that they all showed up and said you know what let's all start swinging fastball, but swinging at the fastball, but maybe that reset plus the fact you were facing, you're, you're it's not like you've been facing the best pitching in the world through these these first five games out of the break, and I wonder if that oh. hasn't all played I, in a hand. You know, reset rest. We go out. You got Nathan Yavaldi. What's Yvaldi's gonna throw hard, but he's not really good. So now we're kind of it's it's almost like it just started going. Just started
2: going. I think it's I think it's the latter of what you just said. I think it's Nathan Uvalde. You thinking, okay, he throws really hard. We faced him before. We know how hard he throws. So you gotta get it ready. Mm-hmm. Forget about the slider and the cutter. So aggressive right you gotta, out of the you gotta get it ready and you gotta swing it a strike. If you chase off of this guy, you will get him into a groove and that allows him to find the release point on all the secondary pitches and because he throws hard and he can use somewhat of quadrants of the strike zone with velocity, going to be a long day. So you got to be aggressive. you got to hone in on the strike zone, and And that tells you to be really, really good with your lower half. Who am I to, you know, not agree with George Springer because I'm sure he's in the room. He's talked to his buddies. He knows how it is. He's been there and done it before. But I just think when you face a guy right out the gate, that throws as hard as Nathan Navaldi, and you know you have to be mechanically sound enough and have all the wasted movement thrown out the window, because if you don't, he's going to eat your, eat your lunch. And then you have success doing it. Oh, it just and compounds, and then, right? It sure does. And, again, it gets back to the you you got to have some surprises. Toppy is a surprise. Kevin Biggio. Santiago Espinal, you know, they're having those quality. But Matt Chapman has turned the corner now and doing some things offensively. So those are a lot of surprises. And now the top of the order doesn't always think that they have to do everything. For me, I think it just it goes hand in hand. It goes like that passing the baton of quality at bat. It's not, you know... It's contagious. I don't believe that. It may be a thing, but I think good approaches are contagious. I see my buddy up there battling with two strikes and having some big-time two-out hits and driving in runs. Well, guess what I want to do? Bottom of the order
0: was on base seven times last night. Scored Great. three runs. Great. You know, um, you talked about the walks. Chapman took a walk. Espinal took a, took a walk after eight pitches. Biggio took a four-pitch walk. Uh yeah, I mean it. It was. Um, that's 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 when, what when you want to see of, from the bottom. When of the, the, order? the bottom
2: of the order gets on like that, and I'm a pitcher, I'm picking my poison at the top of the order. But when they get on, you can't do that. Now I have to pitch the Springer. Now you're in debt. Dan- now yeah. I have to pitch the Vladdy. Yeah. Now I have to pitch the Kirk. When I if I can maneuver around one or two of those, depending on how I feel, and well, you know, if I got a good breaking ball, I may throw it to Vladdy, and I don't want to pitch the Springer. Like you know, you can do that. But when the bottom of the order is getting on. Now all of a sudden you can't do that, so it's this again. Is if if you're Ross Atkins and you're sitting up there watching this stuff, does it change your mind on what you're trying to do here? Like, you, did you want to go a little in, or now are you all in? Because now you could see big picture, man. This is what our lineup was supposed to look like from the gate. Well, we'll 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 talk about that with Tim Kirchhen,
0: uh at eleven o'clock. Tim Kirchman, who of course has just gone into the Hall of Fame, and. Uh, you look around the American League East, Boston Red Sox, they're in last place this morning. Tampa Bay, they lost another player yesterday, Francisco Mejia. The Yankees, they lost the first game of the Subway Series. They've got some pitching issues. They don't have Michael King for the rest of the year. If and And, oh, by the way, the Baltimore Orioles are no longer a pushover and you still got what 14 15, 15, games. 15 games against them. I mean if if I'm if I'm Ross Atkins, I'm looking at this and thinking the other teams in the division are starting to show some cracks. The team in the division we thought would be a pushover is better and we got to play them. Like there's a path here for us to really do damage in the postseason. But sure You
2: know, (laughs) I'd rather host that wild card game. How do do I go 11 and four or 10 and five against the Orioles? And do I think I can do it with the team that I have now by bringing in a a Drew, whoever you said was like some just normal guy? Or do you got to push it a little bit and go? a little bit further in and maybe have to give up a Gabby Moreno. And I bet that's And Ross has done that in the past. Sure. He did that
0: last year. Sure.
2: And so they did the, it with Chapman. The They've offense, given up prospects. We talked about that right before the All-Star break. What would the Can the offense change his mind? If you're watching this team, I don't care who they're facing. You still got to go out and have quality bats, mm-hmm. and you got to beat the teams you're supposed to be beating. But this this is going to give them tons of confidence. So when they do face good teams – now they know how to do it against those teams because they've been doing it so much against bad teams. Mm-hmm. It'll be inter- it's it's going to be interesting because I think this is just me. I think for them to host the playoff game or just that series and do it at home, I think they got to go at least ten and five or maybe eleven and four against the Orioles.
0: They got a boat race. No, the it's not going to be
2: easy, but it would be a little easier yeah. if Ross goes out and does a little something special to help with the pitching at. This will be, be an interesting weekend. The Tigers are coming in for
0: four games. The Tigers have just about everything the Jays need in terms of pitching. They match up very well with the Blue Jays. I, I, it, it will be fascinating. We may have one of those scenarios where dude crosses, just changes clubhouses. We saw that here with Esteban Loaiza. He mm-hmm. was in town, just changed clubhouses. We may have one of those scenarios because the Tigers have got some arms that the Jays are certainly going to be interested in. You know, the the Tigers, man, they're puzzling. I, I thought, I still think they're poised through for a breakthrough, but I'm not entirely certain that they're going to be contending for a title next year for the division next year, the way, the way I thought they were going into the season. They may still need, they may be in a position where they're adding prospects, or maybe they want a young, controllable major league player, something that gives them something they don't have. They match up well with the Jays. That'll be a fascinating series, especially since the trade deadline uh, is Tuesday. And further to Kevin's point uh, point about the fastball, 14 hits for the Jays yesterday, a dozen off the fastball. Yep, It was a great night at the ballpark last night for a variety of reasons. Really, congratulations to Blue Jays fans for the way they uh, gave Albert Pujols for the standing ovation they gave him in his first at-bat. You can tell. You can tell it meant... It meant something to him. Uh, it was really well done, and uh, of course, Buck Martinez returned last night. And uh, the Jays, we saw that uh, that 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 little impromptu ceremony the Jays had between innings. The Jays players came out uh, of the uh, of the dugout, looked up at, at at Buck and doffed their caps, and Bugs, uh, Bud's, uh, Bud, Buck's uh, son and uh, grandkids and uh, daughter-in-law were there. It was just, it was, a, it was a really good night all around. I mean, it was just great going into the ballpark and seeing Buck yesterday and hearing Buck's voice, and we're very pleased that he will join us next. Buck Martinez, after this break, you're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with JD, Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As I said a couple of days ago, the Major League Baseball trade deadline approaching. Most of us are uh, eagerly anticipating the arrival of new pitcher, starter, or multiple relievers. Maybe a left-handed bat to keep my friend Mr. Barker happy. But uh, all of the above. Yeah. But for me, at least, the trade deadline's already been really good, really successful because uh, we saw Buck Martinez back where he belongs in the uh, booth. Alongside Dan Shulman calling Blue Jays games, Buck uh, made his return yesterday. As I said, it was great to see him. It was great to hear the voice. Um, it was. It was a. It was. It was really. I think for those of us who know Buck, who've worked with Buck, um, watching people's reaction to him to his return, Albert Pujols came over and gave him a. Big bear hug when he saw him on the field was uh, it's going to be one of the most satisfying moments of this season, regardless of, of of where this road ends for the Toronto Blue Jays. And we're very pleased to be able to say that we welcome Buck Martinez back to Blair and Barker. Buck, as I said, uh, it was great to see you. It was great to hear your voice. Um, I listened to the telecast and. You, you clearly were. You clearly did some scouting while you were while you were fighting the good fight. And before we we talk about the Blue Jays and where they are, just I'm, I'm sure our our, uh, our our listeners would be interested in knowing where you are on your journey uh, to to recovery.
1: Well, Jeff. Um, first of all, great to be with you and Kevin, and certainly great to be back in Toronto and. Yeah, um, you know, it all started in April, and I was actually here when I found out about it. I did the first 10 games uh, of the season, so everybody could get kind of sorted out with their schedules, knowing they were going to have to pick up the slack in my absence. But um, after that, we actually went to Houston on Mother's Day, May 8th, and then started my treatment on uh, on the 11th of May, and I was there for eight weeks. And uh, I was at MD Anderson, had a terrific doctor named Stephen Frank. And, um, you know, we completed uh, we completed the treatments on June 28th. And then we went back to Florida, and I've had about four weeks of uh, getting better, and I just simply get better every day. And, you know, uh, the radiation was difficult. I had some down times and had some disappointing times. But like I said last night, when my family was there to help me get through it. Uh, Garth Orge and Patty Orge came and spent a week with us in Houston, and, and that helped and uh, broke up a lot of the time. But as far as where I'm at, um, no more treatments in the early going. I'll go back for a checkup in September to Houston, and uh, hopefully everything will be good.
2: Buck, it's great It's great to hear your voice. We're so happy to have you back. But, yeah, I was listening to you talk last night, and you were talking about the one, one little thing that stood out to me when you were talking about the Blue Jays is that young teams – Go through ups and downs, and I know from you you know i 'm sure you were paying attention and and from afar you you saw certain things that would tell you that this team was turned the corner. Is there any one little specific thing that you've been seeing that tells you that this that they 're doing now offensively? you were talking a lot of last night about the defensive side of the ball, how good they 're playing in the infield, and you know they're hitting the cutoff guys, all those little things. Is there one little thing part of the Blue Jays game now that stands out to you that says that's uh, it's go time.
1: Yeah, Kevin, I think their uh, their offensive approach, even going back to Boston, when they hit so many balls to the opposite field, they up have to know. When you're struggling, everybody thinks that you have to hit a dramatic uh home run to the pool side and I'm gonna do this. I'll did it turned around myself and I think Vladi fell into that trap. I think Bo did. And to a point uh Tay Oscar did until he's gotten hot recently. But they all got back to what they do well. I mean, you look at Bo last night, he hit that double down the right field line. Glad he stayed back and hit a home run early. Uh, Gurriel's hitting the ball up the middle more consistently than ever before. And I think that tells me that they understand this is a team offense. This is not a one-man, two-man show. This is a team offense. And if we do our job, and last night we talked about Espinal and Vigio getting two out walks to turn the tables and set the table for the Grand Slam. I mean, that was a key moment in the game. But uh, I, I think now this is what we saw from them last year, where they're not afraid to pass the baton. Nobody feels like they have to be the star. And the, the balance in their lineup now, I think, is really uh, surfaced, and I think that's what's got them on the uh, right side of things now. You
0: know, Buck, I, needless to say, whenever a team does well, sometimes we think the manager gets too much credit. When it doesn't mm-hmm. do well, we think the manager gets gets too much blame. But from what you've been able to see and from what you've been able to glean from talking to people because i i i know that you've you've talked to people what do you think is the difference between a john schneider managed blue jays team and a charlie montoyo managed blue jays team and i'm not trying to throw charlie under the bus here but i think we all kind of see a difference and look you've you've been in the manager's seat you know what it looks like from that corner of the dugout
1: yeah, no question, and, and you know what, and I know Dan and Pat have talked about it, and I feel the same. I don't think anybody could have handled 20 and 21 as well as Charlie Montoya did. There's no question about it. He kept the uh, players focused on the field and, and didn't allow them to bitch and moan about moving and playing in three cities and all of that. That never came to the surface, and Charlie did a terrific job of doing that. That being said, I think the change, especially with a young team, the change woke the kids up saying, oh, my, this is serious. Somebody just lost their job. And it just reminds you that you have to go out there and bust your butt every single day and play hard. And and I think it was the reality of what you're dealing with here. This is a business, and you have to perform every day. And when you don't perform, somebody's going to pay the price. And more often than not, it's the manager, because that's the easiest way to change things. It happened with us in Kansas City in 1975 when, Jack McKeon got fired, and Whitey Herzog came in. And all of a sudden, it was like, whoa, we better turn things around. And you know, the bottom line is, managers are only as good as players. I don't care who you are. You're going to have good players. You're going to end up being a good manager. And I think the Blue Jays have good players. The problem that we fall into with this organization in particular is we forget that in 92 and 93, they had the most experienced, oldest team in the league. In 15 and 16, they had the most experienced, oldest team in the league. Hmm. Well, now they've got the youngest team in the league, and we're trying to compare them to the Yankees. And the Yankees have MVPs and Rookies of the Year, home run champs, and, and they've got stars everywhere who are older and experienced, and they don't have the ups and downs and peaks and valleys like young players. These players are very good, and that's why they've been able to win a lot of games. But as they're gaining experience, they're going to understand that you have to separate each game individually, move on, turn the page, and I think they're going to get to that
2: spot. Buck, I don't have to tell you how important the catcher's position is, especially in 2022 with all the things that they have to handle. But Alejandro Kirk, I think we understood that offensively he could do some things, bat-to-ball skills, using the entire field, hitting velocity, making some adjustments on the elevated fastball, all of those things we we thought he could do. But I want to ask you about the catching side of the ball. He just looks comfortable to me and you know that that thing about being a big leaguer I went through it I wasn't very good at it where you just sort of looked the part like when you were there like you just look like a big leaguer Alejandro Kirk for me Buck looks like a big league catcher a- am I right there by saying that and if I am have you seen one part of that catching part that he's made a huge step forward in well
1: I think Kevin the fact that he's just had a chance to play mm. You know, he hasn't played so much, uh, you know, obviously hasn't played much in the big leagues. And last year, you know, he got a little taste and a little taste earlier on. But this year he came in not really expecting to make the team. I think there was a lot of people that thought it was going to be Moreno and Jansen. And I think that was the case. And even maybe Reese McGuire would have still been here. But he stepped up and made the most of his opportunity. And he got up to the slow strike but he never lost confidence. He's a very confident young man. He understands that he can hit, you know, he hit 318 in the minors throughout his career. But as far as catching, you're right. There's never been more involvement with the catcher. I had to learn on the fly. I didn't have all the information. I didn't have uh, a lot of coaches helping. I didn't have a catching coach. That's for sure. Until about <laughs> six or seven years in, but you learn on the fly. And, um, he now has picked it up with a lot of information coming his way. A little bit of a language barrier as well. And the true test of how well a catcher is doing is how well the pitchers enjoy throwing to him. And you've heard it all. All Starbuck, it all came out. Pitchers love throwing to Kirk. He is a comfortable target. You hit it on the head, Kevin. He's very comfortable looking. He looks like... He's in charge back there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he doesn't have the Russell Martin body. He doesn't have the Yali Molina quickness and everything else. But he's getting the job done. What more do you want? He's you want him to, he's hitting in the third spot in the lineup? He's catching three or four times a week, and he's doing a good job. So uh, I don't think anybody can question the fact that he has picked up the catching part of it very quickly in the major leagues, which is always a challenge.
0: Well, Buck, now that you're back, I can put you on the spot. We're six days away from the trade deadline. What would your Blue Jays wish list be? Or what is your Blue Jays wish list?
1: Um, Garrett Cole and Edwin Diaz.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> thanks, well, thanks for that. <laughs> okay. well, you asked me what my wish list is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why did you, you, you throw Juan Soto in as well? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> um, for- you know what? I, I think the beauty
1: of this trade deadline is the fact it's a little bit later mm-hmm. and people are going to have a better idea of where they stand. And you know what? The reality of it is don't look now, but the blue Jays are 11 and a half back of the Yankees. Yeah. And the Yankees have, have, have won just four of the last 10 games. The blue Jays are nine and one in that same period. They've won seven in a row. And it's now it's improbable, but 78 was improbable as well for the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Red Sox had a big lead. The Yankees come in, and they win the final game of the season. It happened way back in 51 with the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Giants. So it has happened before. It's going to take a tremendous run, obviously. But I think reinforcements are on the way. The Blue Jays have built up their minor league system to a point where, yeah, I know they gave up two top picks last year for Barrios, but I think they have two or three more picks that other people want that they can make a trade on. Now, that being said, I think there are two guys in the organization that, that are untouchable in my mind, and that's uh, Moreno and uh, Aurelvis Martinez. And Martinez has got big-time pop, and, yeah, he's not hitting very high, but he's the youngest player in AA, I believe, and he's, he's going to be fine. But everybody else, I think, is uh, available, especially if you're going to swing a deal and get a big-time player or maybe even a guy like Soto. You know, just remember back in, um, in 15 – when somebody said, hey, we got Troy Tua-Whiskey. Who? Mm-hmm. And, hey, we got David Price. Really? And even further back when the Blue Jays got David Cohn. Nobody expected those players to end up here. And I think the same can be said this year. I mean, we might be surprised at the magnitude of a trade that's coming our way. Because it's happened in the past. And I think the window is very important. And the window is not as wide as we thought it was with Bowen and Blatty's clock picking. And eventually, you know, they're going to hit big-time arbitration. They're eventually going to be facing free agency But you have to move now, and I think the opportunity is right. They brought in Springer. They brought in Gosman. You know, I I think everybody understands that this team is primed and ready to make a real big move, and I think that could come up in the next week.
2: Okay, last one before we let you go, Buck. Uh, It sounds like Alec Manoa, the innings, they're going to try and do some things, back him off, give him an extra day. Uh, Do you like that? I'm not sure I'm a big fan, but, you know, you've been there and done it before. You're you an ex-catcher. You know how that could look. Do you like that? Now, you have to
1: look at the body of the guy. I mean, this guy's an animal. He's a big man. He's a strong man. He's got an athletic delivery. He reminds me an awful lot of David Wells. You know, everybody wanted to discount David Wells. Oh, he'll never be. A, I mean, David Wells was a hell of an athlete. He might be one of the best athletes that the Bougie's ever had. And I think Manoa is the same type of athlete. And, yeah, he's big-bodied and all of that, but his delivery is smooth. I think you've got to listen to him. And Pete does a great job of communicating, yeah, we're going to do this. And, they, you know, Manoa never wants to come out of a game. And that's what I love about him. I mean, he's a throwback. And there was an article written, I, I believe it was in The Athletic, about Manoa saying that the starting pitcher is a dying breed. Well, he wants to bring it back. And when you look at what Verlander has done this year and what Cole has done in his career, and, you know, I think Alec Manoa can be that kind of guy. Where, And he had a chat with Verlander at the All-Star game about how do you maintain your velocity so late into a game. He says, I don't use it early in the game. Hmm. And I think Alec takes some of that and says, okay, I can pitch with my movement, my location, and my changeup early in the game, and then I can save at 96, 97, 98 for the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Verlander's done this throughout his career. We saw it firsthand when he threw the no-hitter here at Rogers Center a few years ago. So I think its um, he's a guy I would just watch and say, okay, his arm angle is fine, his velocity is good, his movement is great. Let him go, because you're going to need him to win big games down the stretch. And I think if I were starting a series tomorrow, he would be the guy I would send to open up a series in the postseason.
0: Buck, really good of you to do this again. Uh, great to see you. Great to hear your voice. Uh, be well. and. Uh yeah. Like I said, you're the best. Welcome Buck. back, man. Welcome back. Th-
1: thanks for coming on. I tell you what, um, I am more happy than you are than I am back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking, we'll be talking to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock then. Buck. <laughs> That's awesome. All <laughs> right. Thanks. thanks fellas, Thank I appreciate it. You have a great day. Thank you, you too. Buck Martinez, uh, voice of the blue Jays, um, back and in fine fettle mm-hmm. as, uh, As they say,
2: interesting thoughts on the Alec Manoa thing. I'm in his camp. Like I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Pete Walker and he's going to do exactly what it takes. That's best for the player. And I'm sure the conversation back and forth between the pitcher and the pitching coach and people that need to make the right decisions. But I, I just think you got to be careful with that. You got to be careful with the routine thing. It is a huge deal. We laugh and we we chuckle at that. But these guys have – the first thing you always hear from these guys are – listen to Ross Stripling. First thing out of his mouth is, I found a routine that works for me. Right. When you disrupt that, now all of a sudden, see, I, what are you doing? You're putting pressure on other parts of your to body me, to try and make up for it. it would be interesting to see how they handle it.
0: Yeah, to me, though, there's always a fine balance in that most elite athletes – Especially when they're driven the way guys like Alec Manoa are driven, sometimes they need someone to say, you know, time out, Tiger. Because if if you rely on them to if you if you rely on them to sort of self govern, sometimes the adrenaline and the competitive instinct takes over, the stuff that makes them so special, the stuff you don't want to pull back on. Sometimes, sometimes that can be an impediment. But I, I think, listen, we one thing we know about Alec Manoa is you know, you know there's a bit of an old soul in that body, and, and what I mean by that is he's a bit of a throwback, and he's got definite ideas about how he goes about his business and what he likes doing. And I did like what Buck said, and I think John Schneider will be good in this role as well, because I do think there are athletes that you you. You allow them to have a greater say in how they are handled, perhaps compared to other athletes. That doesn't mean they get the final say. But I think there are some players would talk about Bo. You ever notice how come the what is what is the high performance department lost Bo's cell number? I mean, Bo plays every day. No one else in this team plays every day. And I think maybe that there are times where you have to, okay, we'll 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 go along with you on this. You'll have a say in this. But the thing is, man, it's pitching, right? Pitching is an arm, and that could go like that. Anybody can get hurt. But if I said to you, "What's the chance of Bo getting hurt today?" Greater than the chance of Manoa hurting his arm when he starts? I mean, you'd you'd say, "Well, there's always a chance right. a pitcher's going to get hurt," and that that kind of concerns for, for
2: me. For me, for me, sometimes on the outside looking in for organizations, it's harder to just stay out of the way. Well, that's. Yes, it, that it is, really, that's, it really that's is. Fair, right? don't don't rock the boat. It's a good thing. It's working. It looks to me like he's already made an adjustment by throwing more two seamers. You've you've made a pitching adjustment already. You're not putting so much of the trying to gain velocity because now it's ninety two, ninety three instead of always trying to be ninety six. He's got ninety six. We've seen it. Occasionally, when he needs it, right in Boston, you saw the ninety sixes, yeah. the elevated four seamer. We saw it, but it's more ninety two, ninety three with movement. That's not an adjustment. I, it's it's going to be interesting to see because they, it's almost like they may go as far as he takes them. Thing he's got that thing about him. He's intimidating, and that matters come playoff time. Well, and he, you know,
0: he likes shoving it up the collective asses of the American League East. I mean, he really does. He he loves he loves he loves beating the Yankees. He loves you know that he loves beating the Red Sox. He just does. Um, and he's tailor made for this division. He really is tailor made for this division. Tim Kirkland is a Hall of Fame reporter. Well, he was a Hall of Fame reporter long mm-hmm. before he was put in the Hall of Fame. He was part of this year's Hall of Fame class honored with the uh, BBWAA's Career Excellence Award. It's always a good time to talk to him, Tim Kirshen, particularly fitting now. He'll join us, Stubby Clap, first-base coach of the St. Louis Cardinals, as well as Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 590, wherever you get your favorite podcast.